When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Screencast, a very special two-person episode where Lucy James decided to abandon me and Elise, unfortunately. Uh, and so it's just the two of us. We're talking Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power on Amazon. Elise, how are you feeling today? I am feeling bold. bold? I am feeling okay. like I'm running through a mine and we just lost Lucy. She was at the back oh, of the group. No. So and, uh, unfortunate. You and I are running through this mine together, Andy. And uh, the the, the warmth of the fire—it isn't even warm in us. It's so cold in here. It's <laughs> so, so chilly. Yeah. Everybody, this is Screencast. It's our weekly show where we break down the latest of TV movie trailers. You can watch it on YouTube.com/slash Kind of Funny, Roosterteeth.com, or your favorite podcast service by searching for the Kind of Funny Screencast. And if it looks like I'm just reading kind of off a teleprompter, I kind of am because I'm just reading what Tim slacked me to say. If you want to get the show ad free and watch live, which you're not watching live right now because we're not live, um, or as it's being recorded, you can go, out, go to patreon.com slash kind of funny, just like our Patreon producers, Fargo Brady and Molecule. Thank you, Fargo Brady and Molecule for producing the show. Housekeeping, there's a lot of other TV shows happening. That's why Tim isn't here. That's why a lot of people, well, Nick's on vacation, and he also just makes fun of me for liking Lord of the Rings a whole lot. But there's a lot of shows happening right now, Elise. Hollywood is a poppin' and it ain't a stoppin' anytime soon. And if you oh, wanna watch that. if you wanna watch our thoughts on She Hulk, those screencasts are up as well on your favorite podcast services or YouTube. We're also doing the breakdown for Game of Thrones House of the Dragon, which is another show that I'm really digging right now. Uh, today we are brought to you by ExpressVPN and Chime. But we'll tell you about that later. For is now, the screencast. Oh, pardon me. Sorry. Oh, go ahead, Elise. I was going to ask is the screencast log line. Hollywood's a poppin and it ain't a stoppin. That's the T-shirt. Yeah, that's the one that <laughs> that's that's the first marketing materials we're getting so far. We've sold no T-shirts, unfortunately. Correct. One day we might, though. Um, Elise, it's finally here. The long awaited series, the long rumored series we we've heard rumors for what feels like decades now of how expensive this show is, how massive it's going to be. And all I've thought to myself is, wow, this is going to be hugely disappointing, isn't it? This is going to be such a bummer of a show. And upon watching this episode, uh, upon watching episodes one and two last night, which debuted on Amazon Prime, if you have Prime Video, Rings of Power so far for me is a massive success, and I am so relieved. Massive! So relieved, Elise. Wow. I'm, I, like you, was very hopeful, was a bit skeptical at times, but tried to uh, remain true and tried to look at the price tag, this $1 billion show, and I thought, it can't be bad for a billion dollars, right? Even though Tolkien himself hated industrialism, it can't be bad for a billion dollars. <laughs> Capitalism, baby! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and there were things that I thought could be better. I, I saw, uh, you know, episode two for me was definitely, uh, stronger than one in terms of just, uh, feeling like it was paced better, but like you, Andy, I'm enjoying it. I'm not disappointed by what I saw. I think that's the biggest relief that I have. Um, because again, I think, Based on the disappointments that we had with the Hobbit trilogy, that bad taste has never really left my mouth. Um, again, I love I, I would say that I love the Hobbit one an unexpected journey. I would say that my enjoyment of the following movies certainly dipped and then dipped again. Um, and ever since then, I've just sort of thought that. You know, Lord of the Rings was a miracle, and I've just seen so many um, awesome kind of write-ups on the movie trilogy. 
I'm not a book person. I read Fellowship in middle school and then didn't read any of the other books. So my love for this franchise is based on the movies. And then obviously a lot of other YouTubers kind of um, furthering that love. But I I've just my whole life kind of just assumed that Lord of the Rings was a miracle. And in the multiverse of this sort of happening a million billion times, Doctor Strange is like, this is the one universe where this movie franchise is perfect. This trilogy is flawless and and everywhere else is probably a massive disaster. But it's it just worked out so well (laughs) in this universe, luckily. And this is the one that we grew up in. Um, And I just assumed this show is going to suck. Just didn't have many high hopes for it, at least based on a lot of the uh, marketing material we saw before uh, the show was coming out and when Amazon finally started getting the marketing machine going for it, I just did not have really any high hopes for it at all. I was actually kind of dreading the show coming out. Yeah, I think for me, I've I had that skepticism, but then time and again, I am corrected in my skepticism. For example, Sandman. I love Sandman. Amazing adaptation in my I got to give that a shot. I, I don't really know much about Sandman, but I've heard a lot of people really enjoy it. Yeah. And uh, then I look to remakes and I think, oh, you can't remake something. But I love the Evil Dead remake. Then I look to, uh, you know, I always think it's really tough to make a prequel to something because we already know what's going to happen. But then you have things like Better Call Saul. What a show. And and so I time and again, I'm corrected in my skepticism. So for this, I tried to keep that perspective of Elise there's so so much this is the most expensive tv show ever made like think of the talent that's going to be amassed to make this uh you you should kind of couch that skepticism in in this curb it you're so you're so positive Elise because to me I I only (laughs) see the the budget obviously we've heard that like this is a billion dollar tv show and boy does it feel like it um yeah I think that's well, I think we should maybe start off with our breakdown of of episode one, if you think that's a good idea. Yes. And it to, to that point, it feels like it in some ways, but then in one minor way, it doesn't feel that way to me. But we'll get to that. We'll I get guess. to that here in a second, everybody. Um, so episode one of Rings of Power, um, I ended up watching it a bit later just because I was kind of scared. I was like, I got to get in the right mood for this. Right. Um, and. The I think the episode starts off and just my thoughts as a whole on episode one. I think I may have enjoyed it a bit more than part two, even though it is a bit slower and the pacing isn't as kind of snappy as episode two uh, is. I feel like episode two is filmed and edited more like a modern sort of TV show more. uh, It kind of reminded me of like The Witcher. And obviously it's easy to make that comparison because it's fantasy medieval times or whatever but episode one i think that the the score always kind of being present in the background gave it this more grandiose feel than i was ever expecting um every part of this first episode to me felt like i just felt like i was watching a movie i did not feel like i was watching a tv show did it throw you off at all by the fact that it starts exactly like the movies where you're getting this big lore dump setup, then you're, oh, we're going to uh, the battle a little bit, then we go directly to the halflings. Like, it's pretty much the opening of Fellowship. It's a, it's a good formula to follow, I'd say. Um, I, I agree. I this, The scenes where it's just voiceover of Galadriel <laughs> talking about the world, and then we're just getting all this lore, like... If you had just said to me, the whole series is just this for showing you epic battles and these cool, we're going to these cool locales and we're telling you this story, like a storybook. I'd be like, OK, I'm way into this. And uh, and again, it's it's one thing to just to do that and maybe not have the budget to kind of fully express what they wanted to show on the screen. But holy shit, like the the imagery I wanted to buy. I'm really bummed out that I didn't buy an OLED TV for it because like I kind of was hoping that, all right, Andy, you should get an OLED TV for this. And this will like be the first thing that you kind of watch on it. And I regretted not doing that uh, because I just think that this deserves to be watched on as big of a screen as possible. It is obvious where the budget went. Like these visuals were stunning. 
Andy Cortez in Big Bezos' pocket. Listen, you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Where is he buying that OLED TV from? Amazon, you know it. No, you know what? Best Buy. I, I got to support Best Buy. I oh, worked okay. there for six years the at least. Got to report the BBY. I got the 24 months, no interest, you know. How about that Finrod, huh? Uh, I, uh, now I got to look at the IMDb and Gal- be like, Sorry, who the fuck Galadriel. is Finrod? You know what I was doing, Andy? Because we were, we were watching this on Amazon. Uh-huh. And then I had my phone open. And you know how Amazon does the like scene by scene thing yeah. where it tells you what character? I was, because I'm like, there's so many um, proper nouns and stuff in these characters that I have no context for all being introduced, you know, Calibrembors aside. But I'm like, so I was, anytime a new scene would come up with new characters. <laughs> Don't I include like, Calibrembor in this. We know him. <laughs> yeah, we know him. Uh, but I was like checking like, okay, who's that? Oh, yeah. that's Rod. Okay, cool. And then it would occasionally have like a little bit of uh, trivia for me too. So you had you had a bit of a little celebration watch party last night. I had a very different experience where I probably spent like two hours watching every episode, each episode, because I just like was constantly pausing and rewinding and just like looking back at stuff. You wow. had more of a theatrical screening of it. It was your red carpet in a way. A bit, yeah. A bit, yeah, yeah, uh, and uh, there was no lembus bread. Oh, I I thought I'd have time to make some. What a disaster! But yeah, and um, um, based on episode one, we start off. We get that beautiful imagery. We get Galadriel's or Galadriel, Galadriel. I love the way uh, Elrond ends up pronouncing that. Um, we kind of get a look at her relationship with her and her older brother Finrod, and um obviously we're getting that imagery right like don't don't dive towards the look swim towards the light at least swim towards the the light um and then followed by and accompanied by really really great imagery of all the wars in the past and how we eventually get to middle earth which is kind of just really cool stuff that i had heard of in a bunch of other videos but seeing it take it to the screen was really neat um and early before the show started before we started recording this at least we talked about like what's canon and what's in the books and what's not in the books and what we know is that amazon has access to the lord of the rings and the hobbit but they don't have uh rights to talk about the third age the third age this they don't have rights to talk about like the silmarillion or anything like that which is weird because they did mention the silmarils several times yeah, I, I I mean, it definitely seems like they're pulling from the appendix appendices mainly. And I know for a fact, because like we'll get into the stranger stuff later and all the theories behind that character. But I know for a fact, third age is like just off limits. Yeah, completely. yeah. And I, I'm sure they can they need these things contextually to tell the story. They just probably can't flesh out full plot lines to what you were saying about that battle. Andy, I love that we got the Morgoth stuff you know this big dark evil in middle and they they couldn't say melkor also oh yeah (laughs) which is another thing like like melkor eventually renamed like gets renamed to morgoth but they uh they purposely could not say that name because that's not what they have rights to yeah which is a weird kind of dance a weird kind of like what can we say and what can't we say and which had to have been a pain in the ass for the creators and the writers a pain in the ass and then also with ip stuff like that where you have those limitations it's so frustrating because you're it's it's legalities compromising art right it's like it's it's it feels a bit like you know soul sucking to say yeah well we don't want to make the art the way it should be made because of business reasons 100 percent um and speaking of business reasons let's have a word from our sponsors This episode is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Using the internet without ExpressVPN is like checking in your baggage at the airport without a lock. You don't know who's looking through all your stuff, finding all of your Nintendo Switches, your PlayStation Vitas, or all the other things that you're hiding in there. When you go online without a VPN, internet service providers, ISPs, can see every single website you visit. They can legally sell this information without your consent. Nobody wants that. That sounds like a bad time for everybody. You can browse more anonymous it's easy to use and it works on all devices i love expressvpn it is super simple to use i feel safe across all of my devices knowing that whether i'm on my desktop or my mobile phone people aren't getting in there i'm safe on the internet and what i look at what i browse 
That's mine. That's for me to know. Secure your online activity by visiting expressvpn.com slash kind of funny today. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash kind of funny. And you can get an extra three months free. Expressvpn.com slash kind of funny next up shout out to chime like a cool breeze chime is a refreshing way to handle your money there's no monthly fees no maintenance fees and no minimum balance fees so it's how banking should be done and when you need access to your money you can do so fee free at more than 60,000 in network atms at many locations like most walgreens or 7-elevens you can also send money to anyone even if they aren't on chime fee free for you and no cash out fees for them chime no monthly fees no vibe killing fees sign up for a chime checking account it only takes two minutes and it doesn't affect your credit score you can get started at chime.com slash kf games that's chime.com slash kf games chime is a financial technology company not a bank banking services provided by a debit card issued by the Bancorp bank or stride bank na members fdic out of network atm withdrawal fees apply except at money pass atm in a 7-eleven location and at all owl point or visa plus alliance ATM. Other fees such as third-party and cash deposit fees may apply. Chime.com slash KF Games. And then as we continue, at least we see uh, some of the really cool imagery of Gladriel with her crew in search of this great evil that she knows has not been fully extinguished. Um, I, I love all of this sequence. I know some people weren't big fans of the jumping off the sword moment. Uh, we oh, get some glimpses yeah. of other elven sort of uh, action shots and uh i i think i had some pretty bad memories conjured up because you know i love legolas and the the shield slide the shield skate and stuff i love legolas I sliding off I the do. i love him sliding the off oliphant. the, the oliphants yeah uh, um whatever they the, the trunk the yeah, trunk yeah. yeah but i did not love the stair running in the Hobbit or, <laughs> or oh, much yeah. of those sequences. So I had, I had some pretty bad imagery uh, sort of conjured up back in my brain again, but I, I really enjoyed this whole sequence. I, um, I loved sort of just the lore behind it and us kind of getting these little moments of her talking about, um, you know, her, her realizing that they, they could pour water on this stone and eventually get this glimpse that like, Oh my gosh, he's been here. Mm-hmm. It, that we, we, I sense something here, even she's though tracking. yeah, she's tracking. Uh, and I just, I don't know the budget in all of this sort of intro sequence just felt so like grandiose. The music was constantly pumping. Um, we get that sequence. I just love that moment where they realize that they're there and they're like, no, we're here. Like, this is where we need to be. And the evil is ever present. Yeah. I love that in Lord of the Rings kind of in my mind now, with the events of uh, the the film, the films like cold, cold areas are kind of like breeding grounds for evil mm-hmm. or where evil might retreat to. And we have the, the cold, the snow troll in there, yeah. which there are different types of trolls. Um, and I, my, I think my big problem, not big problem, but one of my hangups with this show was kind of with the treatment of Galadriel because we see her with this very, very fervent desire to hunt Sauron, you know, and her commitment to her brother and his legacy. And then I, I'm like, oh, she has so much conviction to do this. And then later when they ha- they kind of sideline her in a sense, I'm like, I don't know. I would have loved if you just kept that energy from the start with Galadriel where sh- she doesn't have that moment where she's, questioning going to Valinor like she's just she's all in on like we know Sauron is a problem nothing's going to convince me otherwise um you know I I I'd say the mine. the only reason I'd go against that is because I just really love and enjoy that moment where Elrond kind of preps her for this commencement uh of like having yeah. of the king being like all right y'all are gonna head out to Valinor good luck ggs like y'all did great and I love those moments of tension between the characters where she doesn't like want to bend the knee and agree to do this. She wants to do this on her own volition. She she is like she's on defense the whole time in that conversation with Elrond when they're the fireworks are popping off and she's in the forest and she sees her brother sculpted into this tree um, and Elrond being like, hey, 
you're going to have a moment where the king is going to say you should do this. He really wants to, like, arrest your ass for <laughs> for being so defiant, right? We had several moments where her, I mean, even her her army was like, we got to peace out. This is dangerous. You're just going to get people killed, right? Um, but also, Andy, to that point, like, when they're like, we can't, we, the, the shadow realm or whatever, like, oh, this this seems too dangerous. It's like, wouldn't the evil guy go into the shadow? Like, shouldn't you be searching the shadow realm? The, the unseen when, world or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't you be like, oh, this is exactly where he probably is. I, like, I They're thought, all like, we should turn away. I thought that was really neat to even get uh, to sort of have that explained. Because I obviously it's sort of show don't tell in a lot of Lord of the Rings when they talk about the unseen realm and the seen realm. And the unseen realm is where all of the the wraiths sort of uh exist and that's where like the wizards and all the magic stuff and this the scene realm is everything else the the hobbits and kind of um the non-magical stuff i'd say but i thought it was neat to even get that to hear that mentioned of like oh shit that's that this is like unseen magic that is taking place here here in this sort of icy little zone yeah absolutely i I don't know how you felt, but like I did like those moments of we're getting this lore, we're getting this backstory, though. I think one of my bigger complaints with episode one was it did feel a lot like these exposition dumps in places or just characters having these like expedition or exposition dances around each other where I'm like, like you just pointed out the show showing versus telling. I felt like I was being told a lot more than and shown and Peter Jackson always had a really, really great way of making conversations feel interesting. Like there was, it was not just two people standing in a medium shot discussing, discussing something like, you know, even something as silly as just Aragorn and Eowyn walking along a roadside, having a conversation, you know, they're walking and the shots feel dynamic. And I don't know. So I think that I thought that improved with two, but that was kind of like, I hang up with one. Um. I think I'm just so interested in the lore to begin with that I I don't mind moments like that at all as long as it's well written and it doesn't feel boring or uninteresting. And that's that's been a lot of my issue with a lot of other TV shows that have been kind of getting the Disney Plus treatment or the HBO treatment or whatever um, is that I always feel like the mark of a of an entertaining show for me is to have exposition dumps where I'm not bored and the in world building is so good. And, and in this, I never felt bored by it because of, of course, like the world building is so next level and, and obviously Tolkien and uh, ever and the Amazon crew kind of adapting this for the screen, I thought did a great job. But I'm also the type that can listen to an NPC in a Dark Souls or Bloodborne game talk about whatever the hell is happening. And it's interesting to me as long as it's well written and it doesn't. Um, I don't know. A lot of these a lot of the words um, or a lot of these conversations, these characters are happening a lot of times feel like poetry because of the language that they're using. And I I don't know. I just really enjoy that. So those exposition, those exposition dumps never felt boring for me just because I was kind of living in that moment and. I just like seeing the tension, um, which is more than I could say for a lot of other shows where yeah. I I do feel like, man, you're giving me a lot. You're saying a lot right now, and it's not very well written, <laughs> and I'm not yeah, really having a good time. Yeah, the world's not that interesting. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I, I did enjoy those moments where Galadriel is kind of given the king is telling her, all right, time to go off, and you better fucking behave. You better not fucking... <laughs> and I just enjoyed seeing Elrond uh, kind of looking at her like, oh, you better fucking behave. <laughs> like, he's yeah. like, please don't fuck this up for us. You know, like he's he could have arrested you or whatever he's going to do, but he's actually giving you this blessing. So go follow this. And and we see some of that defiance in her not wanting to go to Valinor because she doesn't want to. Again, to go back to the conversation with her and Elrond, her being like, you want me to go live in peace knowing that I'm not at peace. Yeah, there are the two camps of people or, or, or creatures. The one being like they they think that Sauron is still a, a threat. Sauron. Mm -hmm. And the other camp thinking he's not a threat. Right. 
anymore. And at this and I think point, that's, it's like that's the tension in the first episode, especially. It's almost like the Reapers in Mass Effect. Like, you know, mm-hmm. these things are out there. Like, ah, we don't gotta worry about that. Like, it, you know, out of sight, out of mind, um, which is what Galadriel had a lot of issues with a lot of her folk of being like, eh, we just kind of, maybe he doesn't even, maybe he's not even out there anymore. Who knows? But she always just kind of knew. Um, and I, again, I just love that sort of tension between her and Elrond. So she finally heads out uh, and then, well, before she heads out, we're introduced to the Harfoots. Um, and based on people talking about Tolkien lore and stuff like that, the Harfoots or the Hobbits in this sense were never in this age. Um, And I thought it was an interesting adaptation and I had no issue with them being here. I thought they were lovely and it brought a lot of hope and positivity to the screen. My interpretation from how they were being handled and per the Amazon trivia was that the Harfoot is the ancestor of the Hobbit. They are slightly taller than the Hobbits and clearly they are much dirtier. Oh, uh, so lack, dirty. Lack hygiene. Yeah, so dirty. Let's get let's get some conditioner up in here. Yeah. Like, holy cow. We need we need a, a little hairstylist. Yeah. Gandalf hadn't shown up yet with conditioner. <laughs> <laughs> in um, his little wagon. But I do like that we kind of get a glimpse at um not only kind of the way that they migrate and go from camp to camp and that's how they kind of live and they've they're very free-spirited and they kind of are free of worry. Um, but I, I thought we were going to get more from these two dudes with the big ass antlers on their back. Um, yes, I I was so into those antlers. (laughs) I think based on the previews that we saw and based on some of the trailers, I thought they were going to be people to actually like, Ooh, keep an eye on these dudes. This is kind of interesting, but it just seemed like they were kind of passing by and they were mainly used as a tool to show us that the Harfoots are like something's not right here because we see a glimpse of um we see a glimpse of let me get the Harfoots name correct here uh, uh Nori and Poppy or Sadak oh, Sad- yeah, Sadak yeah Burrows. we see Sadak looking at this sort of chart which is kind of showing him how time should pass and like here's what here's when the travelers pass, and here's when this happens. And he's kind of looking at this chart, re- realizing like something's wrong. Um, and we get a bit more of a glimpse of that when he ends up telling Nori, the young Harfoot, the skies are messed up, like things are out of whack right now. It's similar to watching. It's similar to like when birds are migrating at a weird time, and you're like, oh, there's probably mm-hmm. a big storm coming. This is what he's kind of alluding to with noticing that like, oh, these travelers usually move at a different time so something's wrong here uh and he's right in thinking so uh because we also get a big meteor that crashes uh and this meteor that's crashing the imagery is taking place when we see galadriel also heading out to the undying lands and yeah everyone identifies this meteor in the sky yeah um the unifying force between all these characters the uh, which i thought was really neat but this whole sequence was like I didn't know what they wanted me to feel because in certain moments I was like, is this a trap placed by Sauron? What's happening here? Like, why why are we hearing all these dark whispers happening as she's heading out? And that may have just been in her own head, understanding like, no, I need to leave because there's still evil out there that I need to save everything from. But as they're heading out on this boat and we see sort of this sky part and the blinding light is hitting them, I'm just wondering like, is this like, are we about to just see all these people die? Uh, because this isn't really where they think they're going to the Undying Lands, but it's just a trap set. What did you think about this sequence? I thought it felt kind of off to me. Yeah, I also wasn't able to interpret if they wanted us to be fearful of this comet or like what the emotion was supposed to be there, too. Um, and like, we're in spoiler territory, right? We can. Oh, totally. Yeah. Big spoilers, gamers. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the, the subject of the comet lands in this big ring of fire. That's cool to the touch. And I thought at first it was my first instinct was like, that's Gandalf. He looks like Gandalf. And I think that's supposed to be something to throw off us because as we talked about, Gandalf doesn't show up in middle earth until the third age. And they can't talk about that mm-hmm. in this show, which he, he exists. Um, but he is not. Um, they can use his different names, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if this ends up being Gandalf. <laughs> yeah, he's one of the the 
like Maiar. Yeah. Maiar. I always forget how it's. I think it's Maiar, um, yeah. Um, like essentially kind of a, a god, like almost like a god, demigod maybe. But mm -hmm. um, and. So on the same was on like, the same level as the Balrog. Yes, yeah. Mm. My first thought was like, oh, it's Gandalf, but then I'm like, oh, maybe maybe they just it's someone else of his class or ilk that they are like we're injecting them in the story and they'll kind of play a Gandalf role. Mm -hmm. And also the the uh, the fireflies event kind of gives you the 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 indication that like maybe this person is not completely not I wouldn't say evil is the right word, but like the, the fact that he, he creates the constellation with the fireflies and then all the fireflies die feels like a really telling omen. And and, and especially with the way that the end of that sequence kind of ends, because uh, not only is it all sort of framed to be kind of dark and worrisome, but the way that sequence ends, like it, it starts to feel like something is on the horizon that we have to kind of watch out and be careful for. Because I think that Firefly sequence starts off very magical and like, holy cow, look how cool this is. And uh, this dude is um, maybe like this positive force and then all of them die. And then you start to get the hints of like dark sound effects and scary kind of like score creeping in. And then they cut away, which I was like, what, what I, I don't know what you wanted us to feel there, uh, showrunners. Um, <laughs> I, think, I, I think it was trying to make us think it's Gandalf. OK, gotcha. And then and then they were trying to do a little bit of a switcheroo on us. Well, I, I think even more interesting was in that sequence where he's using the stick to communicate. Um, and his movements are in line with them, with the Harfoot sort of setting up this camp or whatever. And then her dad breaks her foot based on his movements Mm -hmm. which um again just feels like some sort of dark magic happening um i don't think any of that was coincidental i think it's meant to show that like this person has control over i don't know just see he's got magical powers maybe he it almost felt like um what's what i'm looking for we have the little doll and you stab the doll and it kills like the person a, uh, <laughs> yeah oh my god what why can't i think of the name of that that's the whole uh, that's the whole yeah. kind of vibe that I had the way that it was shot, like, the oh, way like it was voodoo. edited voodoo. Yeah. yeah, there we go. Um, the way it was shot and edited sort of felt like he was doing this unintentionally. And it's just like whatever he was trying to get across was also affecting the real world in a really kind of interesting and sinister way. Mm -hmm. Or does this character to do this magic have to take life force or energy from others yeah it. very very like, very sort of interesting there um i'm also just kind of scrolling through to see exactly how this episode ends because i'm just getting lost on like where episode one ends and where episode I think two we begins are, like definitely combining episode one and two which i guess is okay because i think a lot of people are probably watching them yeah in, in succession conjunction. they're basically uh, a there it's a two-hour movie at this point we're also introduced yeah. at one point two <laughs> Arandir, who is a created elf for this franchise or for this series. He is not in any of the books or anything like that. This is um, sort of like um, how The Hobbit had a lot of made up stuff for the movies as well. Um, but Arandir is, a, is an elf, um, which shout out to his real name, Ismael Cruz Cordova. I'm sure I knew somebody like that uh, back in school in, in elementary school. Um, but Immediately, I love his stoicism. I love his vibe. I love his personality. I think it's a great sort of other side of the coin uh, with all of the joyous sort of lightheartedness we get with the Harfoots. Getting this guy, it sort of feels like there's a bit of a darker energy there. And he kind of he's been um, kind of protecting these lands for a while and watching over the humans and making sure that none of them still are worshiping the Dark Lord because uh, we know that Sauron had a lot of or or Melkor or Morgoth yeah. or whatever the fuck they're calling him. <laughs> they know that he had a lot of influence and a lot of humans followed. So uh, Arandir, the elf, has been there with a lot of other elves kind of just patrolling. And there's a lot of people there that are like, yo, ACAB, like, get out of here, copper. <laughs> we don't want you here. But yeah, there is there is a lot of anti-elf sentiment right. happening as well. Uh, I. I hate to say it, Andy, because I don't want to objectify, uh -oh. but he's also 
also a looker, this Aaron Deer. Very he's sexy. Not, he's easy on the eyes. Very sexy. You got them, got them the baby blue eyes. Like, holy cow, this dude's good and looking. Definitely bet- between him and Bronwyn, we're getting the, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, this yeah. Is the hot, this is the hot stuff. Okay? And we even get the sort of conversation uh, between he and his other elf friend, who I'm assuming they're kind of building up to be maybe the uh this sort of comedic relief to go against his sort of darkness and uh his seriousness but he's like yo humans and elves that shit doesn't work and we've seen what happens when it does try to happen when people do try to make this work you know uh we've seen the babies like will die or whatever uh and he's like i don't even know what you're talking about man i'm just i'm just vibing over here you know i'm like three thousand years old and she's like 80 or something like that um But we are not only introduced to Bronwyn, we're introduced to her son, who seems to have been hiding the broken sword with Sauron's symbol on it. Which, like, dude, where'd you get that from? What are you thinking? What are you thinking, <laughs> yeah, are you Doc? Doing? This is something you, like, immediately report to the, the, the authorities. <laughs> um, I'm not sure what the whole plan is there, but you have some, some sort of... Uh, well, like, just as we were watching this last night, the kid, this kid has just a terrible haircut. Terrible. Right? I know. Awful. No, it's a fantasy time, but he's got and it's covering his ears. His ears are always covered, constantly covered. Even when he's fighting the orc, the hair doesn't move from right. his ears. And there's all this anti-elf sentiment. And clearly Bronwyn, you know, she's not going to she's she's not a friend or she's a friend to the elves. Um, and so the sentiment with the people I was watching with was, maybe she's maybe she fetishizes elves. <laughs> well, well we, we thought is this kid maybe this kid's father is an elf. Yeah, it's possible. Um, they're gonna they're gonna do the big el- uh, ear reveal at some point. Yeah, because you notice that even in a lot of those action scenes when we are first introduced to the orc that has been mining, and we're getting a lot of movement scenes, but the el- the ears were always kind of hidden in those moments, which is yeah. something I didn't really notice, but. Um, I I did also want to point out through a lot of this that um, I think we have been kind of desensitized to what the horrors of these orcs can really be and these Urukai, because we're always seeing them and there's 50 of them, there's 100 of them, there's thousands of them running across the field. But I love the way that this was framed. This is similar to like me watching... Uh, Matt Reeves, the Batman, come out last year and being like, oh, you know what? I guess I've never seen him be a detective. Like, yeah, I always hear that he's the best, the world's greatest detective, but I've never really seen that. Right. What about the Arkham games? And in here. Oh, well, I, I haven't played them. Never played them. At least. Oh, okay. Never played the Arkham games. A lot of people. That's a big gaming sin of mine. But um, I think when I think we've seen a bunch of orcs and they've always looked scary, but. The way that this is framed and shot like a horror movie and we are seeing this monster crawling out of the out of this hole that they've been digging and burrowing, which I thought was a great way to kind of set up. We hear the sun go, oh, yeah, the fucking rats are just itching and scratching or whatever. And then we get the sequence of them realizing like, oh, shit, something's been digging these holes. I just love the way that that kind of played into each yeah. other. Um, but Hold the it. way all of this was shot with this orc fucking horrifying and i think the fact that it was just one of them and it felt like this monster that should not be here it it actually kind of like evoked this feeling that i haven't really felt from any of the other lord of the rings movies like they've always just been a faction to me the orcs have just always been the dark side of the faction they're just stormtroopers that are ugly at this point right But to see the way it was shot and kind of, uh, I guess, directed and edited in this way, I thought was really damn cool. Yeah, I also think to what you're saying of this feels like an invader. I think that's exactly what the show was going for was to say, you know, because they say they they tell Aaron Deer, like, you can go home now. We think that there's peace like you don't need to be here. And then this invasive presence shows up, this orc, and it's like, oh, shit just when we thought that things were okay clearly they're not clearly this evil presence is growing again if if something like it, it's the the orcs are the rats of the human world or right of the the world here so yeah it's 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 like a albatross yeah right, of there's something some evil coming and i think even if we didn't see an orc i think just seeing 
black goo come out of a cow's udder the most horrifying oh, thing in this episode that was, that was disgusting. <laughs> so gross I, like Andy, it, is that how chocolate milk's made as, as soon as i saw it at least i was like this mother i have to like i keep on bringing up the imd page to get the names right but at on deer i'm like yeah you gotta go, go wash your hands bro what are you doing yeah. like he just immediately kind of pulls out his sword and is like gonna go on this adventure that was the grossest yeah. shit i've ever seen it was so uh-huh. like just grimy and i think just the visualization of how that goo looked kind of immediately encapsulated what this evil is. Like, it's like, yeah, yeah. that looks like evil black goo. Good job, directors. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and as we keep on going through the episode, we are also introduced uh, to the dwarves, which I thought uh, was. And Calabrimbo. Uh, oh, Calabrimbo. That's right. <laughs> yes. We essentially get a scene where the king is talking to uh, Elrond and is like, Hey, uh, want to meet this guy? He's a celebrity. And I kind of I love the way he's introduced, because if you're not a Lord of the Rings fan. This seems insanely awkward. (laughs) Like this whole sequence is so kind of stupid and dumb if you don't understand what's happening. But the way that Celebrimbor is introduced, um, I think is just kind of. I think it's still silly, even though I know who he is, because the way that he's the way that he pops out, it's almost like, oh, and by the way, here's Iron Man. And Robert Downey Jr. comes out and like you expect this. And he is kind of an Iron Man. You expect, you know. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. But you expect in a theater or in your living room where you had your watch party, people to go, whoa, fucking Kelly Brimbar. And like we we get this shot of Kelly Brimbar and he kind of looks at the camera like, yeah. What's Big up, y'all? Pop for Calabrimbor. What's up, because... y'all? And the scene changes, and then it's like, for somebody who's watching it alone, insanely awkward. <laughs> because well, also, there's no audience. There's no applause, you know? It, it's great because they're, they're, uh, they're not speaking in explicits when they're talking about the task Calabrimbor wants to perform. You're right. Because for Lord of the Rings fans, no. Calabrimbor is the person that forges the rings. And so... Elrond's and they're just talking they're going well he's got this idea for this project yeah, yeah it's, it's like it's it's basically uh it's, it's like the Avengers it's, like, it's the Avengers like I want to get a team together yeah. you know <laughs> like and, and so it's like yeah he's got this project in mind it's going to take a lot of uh forging power though I don't know that we have a forge and and so if you if you you're completely out of the realm of Lord of the Rings you're going Oh, I wonder what he could be forging. What could it yeah. need so much power that he could need to be forging? This, what could it be? This is interesting. But yeah. I just love the way that they show him on the screen. Walk out. Like yeah. You made the perfect comparison right there. It's Nick Fury walking out and you see the eye pass and you go, oh, fuck, that's Nick Fury. But here it's like he walks out and he it's almost like he looks at the screen and winks. Yeah, like, yeah it's, it spikes the lens. Yeah, it's such a silly little moment that I thought was kind of goofy and I didn't love it, but I still love oh, it for how cheesy I it is. Loved it. <laughs> I loved it, Andy, because I will say like not a criticism, but we have two very different tones between this show so far and Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson meets back on the menu. It gets a little bit. There's there's comedic aspects mm-hmm. and, um, you know, even character like Gimli, of course, is made into a very comedic character. Thank in God. Lord of the Rings, that he's not in that he's not in the books. And I, that's what I'm partial to is that Peter Jackson and this show does take it much more seriously. And so I did like the little as cheesy as it was kind of wink and it felt like fan service to an extent. And I suppose that's kind of also been one of my like criticisms of the character introductions where the Jackson rings like so elegantly introduces characters and then shows you moments and things to kind of really give you an idea of who these characters are. And I haven't been getting that as much with characters in this, like when Gandalf shows up with his fireworks and he's, he's stern and then, you know, he's in the, he's riding his wagon. He's very, very stern. But then of course the fireworks are all start going off and you're like, Oh, I get this. This this is a guy that's revered and respected. He's a wizard, but he does have this little bit of a whimsy to him. How much is that Ian McKellen carrying it though? (laughs) Yeah. I haven't, I haven't been getting a ton of those character moments in this show so far where they're showing me, I meet a character and immediately they do something that I'm like, Oh, I know exactly who this character is. Um, 
but Celebrimbor, he's a rock star. He's a goddamn rock star. He's a goddamn rock star. And why is he introduced? Because the king wants Elrond and uh, Celebrimbor to, they want, they want him to work on something. And they don't really say what it is. But Elrond's like, maybe we should seek outside help. It's a, uh, it's Cerebro. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should. I, I I love this next sequence. I love this just that immediate line of dialogue of of because we know we know what these races think of each other and yeah to get that line uh, and if anybody's watched Lord of the Rings knows that like dwarves and elves aren't always super fond of each other. Uh, but I just love that moment of. Maybe I mean, have we thought about talking to other races? Because you want all this work to get done. And we don't have that much time. You want it by five on Tuesday? We don't got time for that shit. They need to build a new tower to house the forge because the amount of power that they need. To forge the hottest fire, dragon fire. Like, this is going to be the the the, dopest shit ever, you know? They said, we just just don't have the people power amongst elves. Yeah, and Elrond's like, have we looked... Have you thought about looking outside our race? And he's like, well, how far outside our race? And you know what that means. Record scratch. They're headed down to Khazad-dûm, which is... I absolutely love the. the I, line. <laughs> I love the usage of maps. Holy cow! Yeah. I love the the ability to kind of visualize that, and I love the actual visual fidelity and just kind of the design choices. Um, it's something that I wish a lot more shows do, and I think they always introduce in these two episodes. I think they are introducing locations, maybe where you think that they are not super strong and in introducing characters i think they are introducing locations like the best way possible show it on oh, the yeah. map show a really amazing long shot that probably took four years to render and about 300 visual effects artists and we get the cool fonts on the top right showing like here's where this place is and we're kind of priming you for this 100 percent, especially if down the road in the season they do what the game of thrones clockwork 3d mm-hmm. intro did which Every every episode, it primed you to know this is where we're going. These are how these environments have changed, or this is how they're going to be integral to this episode. Mm-hmm. And like, it, it is fun to hate on Game of Thrones now, but God, it was like such a just very very cool mechanic t- to the storytelling of that episode in a very simple way. And yeah, I, I like the maps in this too. It makes it also makes you feel the scope yep. of everything. Like when they're when they're going from Valinor to Middle Earth, and the sea they show you across the map the amount of sea that they're crossing mm-hmm. you really get a sense of how far valinor is from middle earth which i and, think could uh, have helped in the movies a lot because a lot of people yeah. don't understand just how far like mountain doom was you know mm-hmm. um but i think it's a great usage of maps and visual uh and just imagery and we get to Khazad doom and elrond thinks he's big shit he's like yo these guys are my homies i just walk in they're gonna be waiting for us and and they oh, are Hellebrimbor, not. Hellebrimbor has he's done work with them before. Whatever he's got a past with them. Yeah, too. and I I love as they get there, they're immediately denied, and we get I think some kind of neat little comedic moments of him being like, huh, they're gonna be uh, what'd you say that we're gonna be waiting, introduced with horns and stuff like that. Like this doesn't seem yeah. like the introduction that you thought you were gonna get. And then Elrond is like, all right. I got to invoke this thing, the right of whatever the fuck it's called, the least, where it's basically just a strongman competition. They're going to do CrossFit. Oh, let me find it. Are you going to look you. at James' tweet? <laughs> I am. You know, I am. I because like, I saw that he tweeted about it. I wish yeah. that I had this right of Sirin Tarag. Um, Sirin Tarag. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I also like, because for me, knowing from Lord of the Rings, the movies, how much elves and dwarves do not like each other. I love them talking about a time when these races got along. Even like Calabrimbor and Elrond had a close relationship. And so immediately flipping that on its head is very, very fun. They didn't do a speak friend and enter entrance, which I thought might happen. Yeah, <laughs> to I, the, thought, to the effect. I thought we were going to get some sort of wink and a nod to the camera. Yeah. But um, I do love that this is essentially... Uh, like, all right, I got to do this then. You know, I'm not being int- I'm not being welcomed here and I don't know why. And Andy, that entrance we get to the Dwarven Kingdom, Casa Doom. Beautiful. Across that bridge. Beautiful. Great imagery. I love the way uh, that it is all shot and you s- understand the scope of it all. I think they did a great job of having like 
this sort of medium shot with him and these doors and their cool helmets <laughs> that have like uh, the the beard kind of like yeah. carved into the helmet. I think that was really neat. Uh, not carved in because it's metal, but you know what I mean. Uh, and then we kind of get that sweeping shot to then show how big this place actually is. And it reminds me of honestly walking into the dwarven areas in World of Warcraft for the first time and being like, holy cow, look at how gigantic this is. This is this is scope and budget put yeah. it to use, you know. And the way they describe the orcs or the orcs, the um, dwarves relationship to the rock. Mm-hmm. to the to the mines to the earth it's like so um it's it's like a, a a romantic relationship like they have an intrinsic understanding of it which i think is so cool and i also love that we movie fans who only know Kaz of doom after the fall were seeing what this was as a vibrant lively occupied dwarven city and that makes the seeing it in this context makes the reality of Lord of the Rings a fellowship even darker. 100%. Right? 100%. To see everything as dilapidated and empty and abandoned as it becomes, it, it really yeah. makes you feel kind of like, oh, a lot of bad stuff happened here. Um, but we're essentially introduced to uh, Prince Doran, who walks up and he's grandiose and everybody loves him. And, um, and, he essentially is like, all right, you want to do this challenge? And Elrond's like, yo, dog, what's up? Like, why are you, why are you acting this way? And he's like, no, fuck, grab that hammer. We're going to do the endurance test. Whoever gets tired and quits out first uh, loses. And you're you're never welcome back here. You're, hey, you're Andy, can I say, like, I love whenever it's like, this is the the leader. You know, there's this, it's this race of small people, but this is their leader. Always a little bit taller. A, a little, little bit. bit. <laughs> Just a little bit. Yeah. A little bit taller. They 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 got they got some sort of weird thing going on there. Uh I love these the close up shots of all of the dwarves. Uh they I think they have really good prosthetic noses. Uh yeah. it's a great job to the makeup artist there. Um and we see the first strike cap in, bam, transition to a different scene. I think this is where we are brought back to um Nori uh trying to figure out what's happening with this mysterious man. Um I'm I'm probably skipping out on a bunch of stuff here, but I think this is the sequence where we actually see that leg break and the magic sort of begin oh, yeah. uh, where the the man kind of gets really scared. He yells at her. She's like, no, I'm a friend. Here's some berries. I got some raspberries for you. Um, <laughs> but uh, we could skip past that because I want to get just get back to Casa Doom. And because I think all of the sequences just really well directed and acted where eventually Elrond gives up. He's like, I lost this yeah. challenge. And he's like, all right, and get get your ass out of here, Sonny. If I, if I can just say also this, this getting to the to the to Casa Doom did feel like we finally got to the sort of fun and games of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was I while I, I appreciate just kind of the like ethereal world and all the the seriousness. This did feel like, oh, we're getting to kind of enjoy and play in this universe, which was very fun. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and not only are we. Um, not only does it become a little bit more fun and engaging and more personable, I would say, because we have a bit of those little familial relationships with the Harfoots. Um, yeah. and we have a bit of it between Elrond and Galadriel yeah. and like, but they're Wat- so stoic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Here it becomes a bit more relatable, I would say, because I love this sequence of Elrond saying, well, how about you walk me out? You, how about you walk me to the exit? Because you know Elrond's going to try to fix whatever he is, whatever issue there is. Because obviously Prince Durin of Khazad-dûm, uh, the Prince El or the Prince Dwarf, is he a king? I'm not sure why he's, he's Prince. Yeah, because there's the king. There's still the king of the dwarves. Because remember he has, he's like, I'll go talk to the king. Oh, got you, got you, got you. Yeah. So <laughs> um, I love that. Uh, I love this performance here. I love how they are. Heading back up on this lift and Elrond's like, all right, let's get to the let's get to this. Let's just kind of talk, talk this out. What's wrong? You know, and I think this sequence and this conversation is pitch perfect because yes. Prince Doran's like, yo, 20 years may be a blink of an eye to you, but you haven't seen me in 20 years. You've missed my wedding. You missed the birth of my children. Again, like 20 years is not that's like two minutes to you. But to me, I've lived a whole lifetime in those 20 years. Yeah. And you have not been here. And I I fucking love this scene, Elise. I 
I fucking loved it too. And I saw people call it, calling it cheesy among other things. And no. I was like, first of all, Durin is my, my favorite character. And like so far, I, I, I mean, Durin and his wife, like just kind of won me over. So Lovely. Hard. And, and also, um, I love the, cause I think that this is a recurring kind of theme and sentiment throughout at least the films. And then this show so far of, the elves are not concerned with the matters of mortals and the elves given their long lifespans, their, their thought, their, their way of thinking, like they kind of can disassociate or lose the, their perspective on what life is like for the mortals. So I really, really liked that he was being called out and saying like, you know, I don't, we, we are not the same and you need to, consider that yeah um, but yeah he he was he was tugging at my heartstrings here this sequence is great and you can see how yeah. heartbroken he is that yeah you are my friend. great friend and you have just you've been leaving me on red <laughs> it's, it's, the, the elves are very dr manhattan-ish yes right? absolutely like, yeah they have these higher concerns these higher they but can like, disassociate from these smaller relationships you know yeah so and Prince Surin's like, dude, family means everything to me. And you have not cared as much as I would like to you. So they have a good little talk. And he's like, uh, Elrond's like, all right, well, let me apologize to your wife. Congratulations. Let me apologize to your wife. And he's like, all right, you're going to apologize. And that's it. You're going to get the fuck out of here. You're yeah. not staying for dinner. Those, we know these perfect. dwarves. They are so obstinate. They yeah. are so stubborn. And uh, it's the perfect little sort of back and forth that we have here because you know what's going to happen. His wife is lovely. She walks out. Oh, my gosh. You're Elrond. Get the stay for dinner. I've heard so much about you. <laughs> immediately just turns. <laughs> he talks about you. Yeah. Immediately yeah. just flips all the prior conversation around. Yeah. And he's like, all right, well, you're going to stay for dinner. but You're going to get the hell out of here immediately. Uh, but um, the family loves Elrond and. He ends up asking about them and the tree that he had oh. gifted them seeds and they are oh. growing this tree in this dwarven and, and underground. It's amazing. El- Elrond's laying it on thick here because, you know, they say, well, a lot of people, they laughed at us. They said, how could this tree grow in such darkness? And then Elrond says whatever line about like, well, with the, as long as your family is nearby, there is love and light. Yeah. And it's like, oh, OK, yeah. he's everybody knows he's he's putting it on real it's like, thick. It's like you're already eating dinner with them. Like, yeah. and, and this whole time, um, Doran is, I think noticeably and rightfully kind of you know like what do you what what do you want yeah what he's do, agitated he says you came here looking for something yeah you're you're here Not for a reason me. what the hell do you want and yeah. this is kind of where the the proposition is made and can i just say andy i loved loved the chemistry and the relationship between prince duran and disa his wife mm-hmm. i fuck when they kill her and Prince Durin is just heartbroken, I am going to bawl my eyes out. <laughs> I would not like those two are too perfect that it, that cannot end in tragedy in some way. Who knows? Maybe I mean, with all the different change stuff in canon, maybe they maybe they decide to not do that. Maybe they I wait don't know. for I don't, maybe they wait for season two at least. Uh, maybe if that I, don't, I actually don't know much about these characters to know what happens to them. But I I was just thinking. This is too good. Yeah. They and Durin Durin to me is such an empathetic or, or or not an empathetic, but like he's such a relatable character and and you're watching him go, falling in love with him that I'm like, oh God. If I have to see Durin weep because his wife Oof. was killed, I'm just gonna lose it. You already broke my heart in a simple conversation. I can't Sorry. really take much more, you know? Um yeah. and then uh on the flip side of things, we are also kind of Shown Galadriel, who ended up leaving the boat when they were heading to Valinor, and she ends up finding a crew of random people that are also on this little dinky kind of uh, fucked up little ship, who are in uh, in all just all fucked up. These people are yeah. just all messy, and like what the one of them's like yelling crazy and shit, and they're worried about this sea worm, which is this giant ass like snake, which I I think the this water serpent. I love the imagery here. I love the visuals where there's a shot where uh, Galadriel is swimming away and the camera is going in and out of the water with her. 
and we are seeing this gigantic serpent in the background like just destroy this boat and kill people and uh, I think the visuals here were fantastic but she is essentially yeah. introduced to Halbrand uh, and I'm right now looking at the Amazon DNA x-ray thing or whatever the hell they call it uh, oh, yeah. and as soon as Halbrand is shown on the ship I'm like he's too handsome to be a regular guy no. There's something more happening with this guy. Uh, and essentially, he he breaks free of the ship and lets everybody else die because he's just got to he's got to survive on his own. He ends up saving Galadriel and he's trying to figure out, like, who are you? What are you doing here? What what's your actual story? You know um, what? I don't it appears that you're running from something and I don't know what. And she eventually kind of admits to him uh these fucked up powers that kind of ran you from your home because she finds out that he was run out of his home by orcs and his hometown uh and she kind of admits to him hey for thousands of years i've been hunting for this guy there's someone out there there's a dark power still out there and that's what i am that's what my purpose is uh so they kind of come to an understanding and um you they kind of come to agreement that like all right we got to help each other a little bit here and there's an oncoming storm elise and we cut away from that sequence um, to go back to the son who this is where we have the horror sequence with the orc, which I thought was fantastic. Then we already talked about that. Um, and then uh, I love the transition here, at least in this whole sequence with this orc who is trying to kill them. And uh, we see Bronwyn trying to save her son from this. And Bronwyn is like trying to hang it with the oh, rope. Yeah, which is very cool. Awesome very cool. sequence. And good idea. Yeah, great sequence. And you think it's all gonna die. You think they're gonna die or get killed, maybe. And then Bronwyn comes with this weapon and she's like, ah, she's going for the head. And then it cuts to her putting the head on the bartender's thing and be like, here's the proof. Wake the fuck up. Yeah, wake wake your fucking eyes up, everybody. We gotta get the hell out of here. I love that cut. I think that's such a cool like edit uh editing little moment right there. Um, I really enjoyed that. And then we cut back to, um, is that Durin going to the King? This is Durin going to the King. Yes. Um, and we don't, what, what is in the, what's in this little treasure box at least? What, what was in the treasure box? I don't know. He shows him a little treasure box and it's like lighting up. It looks like the suitcase in Pulp Fiction. Do we Pulp not Fiction. see what's inside? <laughs> no, <laughs> do we, do we, not, oh, we no. don't, we don't, don't see remember. what's inside. They're just kind of gazing at it. Uh, and it's glowing white. I thought maybe I know the Silmarils that, glow white. Oh, but I don't oh, know. Maybe that's they're going to use to light the forge or something. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming this or maybe it's the Arkenstone. Like, I don't really know how oh. long the, the maybe it's something not even in canon. Um, I, I have no idea what it is that they're kind of alluding to in the future, but it's going to be whatever they're going to use to probably power this forge that they want to uh create with elrond or that elrond wants help from them for um but then at the end of it we kind of see this mysterious figure looking over this raft where leonardo caprio and kate winslet are on and uh we see the shadowy figure and you better believe that i hit the x-ray button to see maybe amazon's gonna tell me who this is yeah. and they did not uh, they did not spoil that for us, but it's a shadow we fear kind of overlooking Galadriel and uh, a handsome guy on the boat. Um, his name is Halbrand once again. I just have to remind myself of that. And then the episode ends there. Episode two ends there. Um, but before that, we also get the little sequence of the little kid with the ugly hair and his blood traveling towards this broken blade. Which we see starting to reforge. And it's like, dog. Uh, after everything that just happened, are you not completely worried and scared about what this could possibly be? I, mean, I guess it's probably the the allure of the the evil. Like he's he's not fully realizing mm, what he's doing. Or maybe this item is imbued with some evil power that's starting to take over. Maybe he'll get maybe he'll get Theodend. It starts to light on fire, and um, it, this all could also just be in his head. He could just be visualizing this evil, but it is. It starts to get reforged in a really cool way. Um, and she's like, all right, we got to go because we're leaving. Like this whole town's packing up and we're piecing out. Um, and he puts the blade away and takes it with him, which is just a terrible idea. Um, also, one of the sequences that happened earlier, this is where the firefly sequence happens. 
um, with the stranger and Nori and her friend Poppy. Um, and I said Poppy like I was saying that like a like P A P I like a <laughs> like a Latino um, Poppy P O P P Y her friend. Um, and we are getting some sort of sense that this stranger has some powers and things aren't uh, things aren't seem. super safe. Yeah, things seem like they may be a little bit dangerous. Um, and that's the end of the episode. And I am stoked to rewatch it um, because I know that there's a lot more to take in and there's a lot of stuff that I probably missed. Um, at least, do you have any final thoughts on episodes one and two? Final thoughts. Episode one, as I said, did feel like uh, I could have ex- hoped for some more dynamic Maybe cinematography even or settings or set pieces or action to be happening while we're having those kind of lore dumps and exposition chats and stuff. I they're you know, they're they're baking the exposition bread and I get it. They gotta do it. They're setting <laughs> up a lot of threads for this season. But I could have uh I would have liked to have seen it maybe in a more compelling way. Uh it, I still thought, God, I would watch an entire series. It's just narration over you telling me the lore of Middle Earth. Absolutely. Um, And I'm warming up to all the characters. While we're not getting the fun and games necessarily of a Peter Jackson movie, I appreciate that this has more of a serious high fantasy feel to it. Did you ever watch The Dark Crystal on Netflix, Andy? Mm, No, I didn't. I've I've been ashamed to tell you that because I know that that's what you base your friendships on, on whether (laughs) whether they enjoy The Dark Crystal or not. It is one of those things where it's just it's just. You, it sounds like it's it's like oh it's puppets no man it, it's high fantasy when you get into it you you start like it's very very good but anyway maybe I need like a uh, I need Vati Vidya who does all the Dark Souls lore videos to narrate over Dark Crystal for <laughs> me to get into it um, I I I love these two episodes I love this show so far I legitimately am having a great time with it I think a lot of that is just being into the world and the world building as it is already. So getting me back in there, similar to Game of Thrones, uh, very worried about that starting up. And then once the episodes start flowing, I'm like, oh, we're back, baby. Like, this feels good and this feels right. Much like that, uh, I was very worried about Rings of Power. And I just think they're doing such a, a careful job so far. Like, they're doing... I don't think they're necessarily taking a whole lot of risks. And I think that's a good call on their part uh, because there's a lot of easy ways that you could make this not work. And so far, it is it is working really, really well for me. And that's way better than I could have ever expected, because, again, I thought this was going to be a disaster. I was very worried about this, but I'm also just kind of a pessimist anyway. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I, I really enjoy these two episodes. I'm excited for more. Elise, where can people follow you on the internet? You can follow me on social media platforms at Elise Willems. You can see me on Funhouse almost every day, youtube.com slash Funhouse. I'll be here for more kind of funny in review for Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. Uh, you can learn more about my updates, EliseWillems.com. <laughs> really? Yeah, sure. Why not? Maybe okay. Okay. All right. Nice. Um, uh, and Andy, Andy, I'm so happy that you're digging this series because now I'm like, I'm like, this is going to be a great in review. Yeah. Series going forward. I, I'm I'm so excited to keep on watching this show. Um, again, I think it just has that that budget and that love poured into it that um, I'm really excited about. I think I was maybe I was just looking at it from the eyes of like ugh, big money Amazon. They don't get it. They don't. They don't understand. They're gonna can't try even say Melkor. <laughs> exactly. They can't even say the word Melkor. Maybe we'll get sued by the Tolkien estate for saying Melkor. Um, but I'm stoked so far. Um, I'm excited. Next week, hopefully, we get Lucy James back with us and to hear her thoughts. She was fortunate so enough excited. to kind of get a an earlier screening of it. I know she's digging it so far. Um, unfortunately, she's sick, so we send her our well wishes. Um, And we'll see you all next week, everybody, for the episode three recap of Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. Um, Keep it tuned here. YouTube.com slash kind of funny for all of your entertainment needs. We're talking She-Hulk. We're talking Game of Thrones. We're talking Marvel stuff whenever that happens. feels like every other week now. Goodbye, everybody.